0: Path to Redemption the Podcast. My name is Daniel Arona and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Look, I hope that you've had a great couple of weeks. I apologize for not having a newer podcast out uh, here lately. I had a very intense battle with COVID over the past week and a half, and that's a story for a different time. But all I'm going to say is by the grace of God that I'm I'm able to hear, be here and still be able to, to do these podcasts. So I just give God all glory and honor and praise for bringing myself my wife through it. And I thank him tremendously that my son did not get it. And I just give him glory and honor and praise for it. So, but here's the great thing is that I hope you're ready for a little bit of a feast week because we have quite a bit to cover and we have quite a few couple of podcasts are going to be coming out here this week. So I hope you're going to have a great Thanksgiving week and I hope that your family is blessed and I hope your celebration is blessed as well before we get started just a couple of few housekeeping items here again we are going to be looking at scripture from the New King James Version of the Bible if you need a copy of a new King James Bible feel free to drop me a note at path to redemption Ohio at gmail.com I'm here to help you I'm here to get you a copy of a Bible if you want one all you have to do is ask and then again do not just take my word for it study to show yourself approved I was reading an article in a magazine earlier this week and and you know it really kind of talked about how Paul just focused on the people that the Lord had given him and to make sure that they knew and that they understand the teaching that he had so that they wouldn't go to one side or the other. And that's really my whole goal here is just to give you the teaching, let you study, let you pray about it, let you get your own leading in the spirit, and then you decide what's best for your relationship with God. Because it's not a one-size-fits-all Christianity. We have to work on our relationships and we have to understand what God has for us, even through the hardships. There's always purpose behind everything that he does and the better that we can find that purpose and really have a good foundation laid for us, the better off that we will be. So again, study to show yourself approved unto God, but you know, if you do have any questions, you can always feel free to drop me a note at path to redemption, Ohio at Gmail. Com. So, again, last time, we were so we just started Season 3, and we kind of did an overview of the Trinity and who the Trinity is. This week, we're going to focus on the Father, and we're going to focus on the Father for the next several weeks. But this time, we're going to focus on the Father as a father. And our main scripture tonight comes from Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And the scripture says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we looked at this from our perspective in in season, season two, I believe, where we really kind of talked about okay, what does it mean to be a son of God? What does it mean to be a daughter of God? You know, and how does that differ from the servant? But I want to look at it this time from the father's perspective, from God's perspective, right? Because it is a two-way street there. It's not just the fact that we're sons or daughters that are joint heirs with Christ, right? But we have to recognize God as our father as well. So going to Matthew chapter 7 and starting at verse 7 through 12, the Bible says, asking it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those that ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets amen so here we see that God is established as our father right if our if our earthly fathers know how to give us gifts and our earthly fathers know how to how to do right by us by their children how much more so is the heavenly father going to do right after us and do what is necessary out of us right now that means every aspect of being a father okay and we're going to look at look at three different aspects here we're going to talk about the the necessity for a father to show love we're going to show the necessity for the for the father to meet the needs and to provide for that child. And then we're going to also talk about the, the need of a father to provide correction. So the first thing that God the Father shows us is his love, okay? And we know that from a lot of different scripture, but I'm going to focus on two different ones here. The first one being in John 3, starting at verse 14, and it says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So here is that we see the love of the father through Christ Jesus. Why? Because in John 3:16 it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So literally he gave his only begotten son to us, even while we were yet sinners, because the scripture says in the book of Romans, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. So understanding all of that, the love of the father is given in this tremendous act, giving his son to us to die in our stead on that cross, to take the wrath that he had to pour out, to take all the things and the chastisement and all of that for us. Amen. So understanding that the love then is demonstrated through Jesus Christ. John puts this a little differently in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 19. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this time, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So there you see, right, the greatest act of love that the father did was to offer his only begotten son and to offer Jesus Christ to us. Amen. I want you to think about something here. Like what, what wouldn't a father sacrifice for their son or their daughter, right? It's not just enough for that son or daughter to demonstrate their love towards a father. It's not enough for my son, Isaac to come and give me a hug, or it's not enough for him to crawl in my lap to watch the train go around um, that we have up right now. It's got, it's, it's not enough for that to happen, right? Because what does that matter? If, if I don't show my love back to him, is he going to feel loved? Is he going to feel the, love that I have for him. So what do I need to do when he comes up to give me a hug? I got to wrap him up in my arms and give him a big old bear hug. Right. And then that's, that's demonstrating my love back to my son. Right. So here the father did that through Jesus Christ. Amen. And we can feel that love and we can have a relationship with that love through Christ Jesus. Amen. So Again, it's not enough for us just to demonstrate our love for the Father, but the Father has demonstrated His love for us, and He wants to show His love over and over and over again through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, going on to verse 12, the Bible says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has Has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now, going on, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, meaning Christ, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. So it's imperative that we allow the Father to demonstrate his love for us, to show us his love for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. But he is going to show us that love, God's very fiber of his being is love, because if not, then he would have never sent Christ, and we would still live in a time of law. And a time of the judgment, and all of those things that 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 we would never see eternal life through Christ Jesus and through the grace of God that He has been given to us through the love that He showed in Christ Jesus. Amen. So the first thing that a father has to show is love. Any loving father is going to want to wrap up their son or their daughter, their children, and spend time with their children and and wrap them up in hugs and demonstrate their love towards them, right? And that's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. So the next thing that God does is he actually will meet our needs and provide for us as a father. Yes, it's I truly believe it's the father's job to provide for the child to grow them, to help raise them, to help grow them up, but also to put the food on the table, to clothe them, to do all of those things. And here's here's what Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse five, 25. He said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap. Nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So, why do you worry about clothing? For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. So here we see that, look, Jesus is talking like, look, Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to do. God is going to provide it. Amen. Now, we have to move according to the leading of the Spirit. We have to move when God tells us what to do. You know, we have to do that according to the leading of the Spirit. And we have to, when it's time for us to go to the grocery store, then we need to do that, right? But the, the, the point here is that the the supply will always be there, and it will be there right when you need it. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, when I was first born, you know, my, my family was very poor, and and I needed a special type of formula just because I was such a sickly baby. Well, my parents didn't have any groceries. The only thing they could literally afford at that time was my formula, and that was it, and then get the rest of the bills taken care of. So, you know, they went without groceries for a little bit, and they fasted. Well. Ultimately, what ended up happening is people started leaving groceries on the steps of the house. And there was enough there to be able to feed the family, allow me to get my formula, and that would continue on for a while until they got they had their legs under them and I was off that formula. So what I'm saying there is that look, God provided for my parents in a time of need when I was first born. Understanding that that we can rely back on God in our relationship with Him and know that He is going to meet our needs and that he is going to supply those things. Why? Because he knows that we need them. Okay. And we don't have to seek after those things, but rather we can fall back and say, Lord, we know you're going to feed us. We know you're going to clothe us. We know that you're going to take care of us from that standpoint. And you are going to provide for us all the things that we need. And when you can fall back on that and you can fall back on what God really has for you, maybe he'll do it miraculously. Maybe he'll move on other people to provide for you. You know, it doesn't change the fact that God will meet those needs if we fall back and we trust him and we walk with him in that area. Amen. So God will show us love. The father will, the father will meet our needs Okay, and this is what led Paul to say in Philippians chapter 4, where it says, you know, God will meet our, all of our needs according to his riches and glory, right? Because it's all of our needs that are going to be met, the food, the clothing, all those things that we need, God will continue to provide in one way or another. Amen. So understanding that then, we understand we can see our father as a father, and we can see that he will provide for us like any good father will. Amen. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about here is correction. Now, no one likes to talk about being corrected. You know, no one likes to talk about chastising their kids. You know, no one likes to do that. But, you know, if you want your children to to be raised in an appropriate way and in a way where, they, where they're they following the Lord, then you have to correct that path and you have to provide correction. A father must provide discipline and correction to their children. It's just the way it goes. Why? Because the Bible even says that foolishness rests in the heart of a child, but the rod will drive it out in the book of Proverbs. So, we're no different, right? And this is what, what the book of Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 10 says about it. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For Him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Respect. shall we not much more readily be in sub, in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it amen so what Paul's saying here is that, look, if you're going to be a son and you're going to be a daughter of God, you have to understand that there's going to be a time where you're going to be chastened, where you're going to be chastised, or where you're going to, God's going to get the belt out and chase after you, right? I've had plenty of times where that's happened to me, okay? Plenty of times. And plenty of times where I've been corrected. But I want you to focus here in verse 11 where it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Amen. See, the father is not going to just allow us to go and do whatever we want. When we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we give our lives back over to God, then what happens is we are then his responsibility. He must train us up. He must teach us. He must correct our path when we're getting off of it. And we must be trained by that. Amen. Look, there are plenty of spankings that I got as a kid that I deserved. Okay. And I will rightfully say, I'll argue there's a couple in there that I probably didn't, but it's a little bit of a gray area. But regardless of all of that, we have to understand though, that the correction of the child is the father's responsibility. We are no different spiritually. If we are going to go to the right and God wants us to go to the left, God has got to push us that way. God has got to chastise us. God has got to move us back to the way so that we can ultimately find the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives. How else do you think that your flesh is going to die if not be chastened? Okay, now that's how God deals with us as sons and as daughters. And if he's not going to deal with us that way, then the then the Bible says very clearly here that we're illegitimate. Legitimate children, basically meaning that we're not part of his house, Okay, that we're not heirs with Christ, that we're not going to do those things. So, so the Father has that type of relationship with us. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that he's not going to meet our needs. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It means exactly what it does, that we are sons and daughters of God and that he must provide correction and steer our path and correct us when we are wrong. Okay, and we have to accept that correction, learn from it and move forward. Amen. Because if we don't learn from it and move forward, then we'll go right back around the mountain and stay in the same situation until we do. Okay, so Remember, in every hardship, and I talked about this at the beginning, in every hardship, there's a lesson and there is a purpose behind it because God is ultimately trying to teach us and groom us and, and get us ready for the work that he has in our lives. Amen? Now, look. We're going to talk about one more thing here, and we're going to to look back at this here, and it talks about, in in verse 7, it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Amen. Now I want to put that, talk about this here for a little bit. Okay. Because there's, there's this thought that we have to fear God and that, and that, you know, we should fear God for our entire lives. And I just frankly don't believe that. Now, Proverbs chapter one and verse seven does say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. But I want to focus here is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. When I was a little kid, okay, and I did something bad, my dad would spank me, okay, it's just what happened, all right, so understanding that, right, I had a fear of my father, now it didn't mean I didn't crawl up in his lap, didn't mean I didn't fall asleep on his chest when we were laying on the couch together, didn't mean any of that, right, it just meant that when I did something wrong, I feared my father, right, because I feared the repercussions of what was coming, okay, but as an adult, I don't fear my father at all, Okay, I love my father, okay? And I love and I loved him as a kid too, but it was born out more so out of fear and out of respect, right? But now I love my father, and I don't fear him. I do respect him, but I don't fear him. So as we develop and as we grow from being a baby into a child, into a teenager, into a young adult, into a full-blown mature adult in Christ Jesus, we have to understand that our fear of the Lord needs to change and be pushed over to where we only see the love of God, right? That fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the starting point. But as your relationship grows, then you can actually have that fear completely pushed out, right? Because don't forget what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4. It says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment." But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, the Apostle John knew the scripture just as much as I do and just as much as you do, if not even more. He knew what it said in the Proverbs, yet he said that perfect love casts out all fear. Because yes, the beginning of knowledge is in the fear of the Lord, but thats you should never stay in that spot. You must develop and grow to truly see and understand that you have a loving Father who loves you, who will meet your needs, and who will chastise you and provide the correction that That you need so that you can live the fullness and the best life that he has for you. Amen. And you have to understand that he is that has begun a good work in you is also able to perform it. There is nothing more important to the father than his children fulfilling the purpose to which he's called them. Okay. And everything that happens in your life is going to push towards that purpose. Amen. It's going to be humbling. It's going to be great at times. And then at other times it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but you have to understand that everything has a purpose pushing for you to fulfill the purpose that he has in your life. Amen. So look, Our father loves us. We need to allow him to love us back through his son, Jesus Christ. He will meet our needs because he is our father and that's what his responsibility is. And he will provide correction for us when we need it and we should only fear him in the beginning until we get that established relationship and then at that point your fear then changes to recognizing the love and that even when he pushes you one way or another you know it's because he loves you and you know it's because of what he wants to accomplish in your life. Amen. Look, I hope this helps as an intro into who the Father is and who he really is in our lives and basically how he He kind of goes about in our lives and the impact that he has on us on an everyday basis. Next week, we're going to talk, or the next podcast, I should say, we're going to talk about Um, The character of the father and how do we see that defined um, in scripture This week's song of the week comes from the 1999 album of Sonic Flood Uh, It is their self-titled album, Sonic Flood And the song is I Could Sing of Your Love Forever Uh, Great song, it's a delirious cover here um, So there's a couple different versions of it Really like this version um, a lot Um, But, again, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, uh, the 1999 album by Sonic Flood, their self-titled album. Um, Check it out. Really, really good song. Really, really good tune. I hope you enjoy. Just a quick update on how the website is coming. Since I was out and down with COVID, it's uh, on a little bit of a delay. But over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be finishing up uh, the articles that I've written and adding them into the website, doing a little bit last Bit of Framework, and then we will be launching here by the end of the month. So I'm really excited about that. Really, really excited about what, what God's doing with that. Um, and cannot wait for you all to check it out and for you all to to really see it. Again, if you're enjoying this podcast, please feel free to leave a rating. Uh, you know, it really does help people find the podcast more easily. It uh, really does kind of help you move up in the search engine. So if you are enjoying it, go ahead and leave a rating. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a note at path ohio at gmail.com. I am here to help. But until next time, just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.